Hey there, it's David. You've come to the final episode on this island. I believe there's a God, and I believe that I matter to God. We've explored the topics of God and UFOs, the concept of a Santa Claus God, and the power and the pitfalls of purpose-driven relationships. I've invited you to ask the question, who is God to you? And you have explored the possibility of your understanding becoming claiming. Even though this is the last episode on this island, this in no way means that you need to leave this island. For this podcast is called Island Hopping for a reason. My purpose is to introduce you to topics that will hopefully make you think. Some topics will need no more reflection on your part. Some topics will need to soak in for a while. If you need to spend additional time on any topic, on any island, so be it. This isn't a race to be won. This is a journey to be experienced. So, if you're just starting your journey, I encourage you to go back to the beginning, Season 1, Episode 1, The Rules. It is so much better to start your journey from the beginning. If you're continuing on with me, then welcome back. There's nothing better for you to be than to be right here, right now. There's a story in the Old Testament of the Bible. It's found in the book of Joshua. The people of Israel had entered the Promised Land and had successfully conquered everyone in a war that lasted about seven years. The newly conquered land had been divided up between the various tribes of Israel. Two and a half of the tribes had already made a deal with Moses long before entering the Promised Land to settle the lands east of the Jordan River. As they prepared to cross the Jordan to go home, they built a huge altar to God. When the rest of the tribes heard of the construction of this altar, they took great offense and prepared to go to war. See, God had been very clear to the Israelites. There was to be only one altar for sacrifice, and that was to be found at the Tent of Meeting, the very place that held the Ark of the Covenant. So a man by the name of Phineas, along with an army comprised of representatives from all the other tribes, was sent east of the Jordan to go to war. They believed they were doing the will of God based on the information they had and the assumptions they had made. In other words, what they used to fill in the gap of their understanding concerning why the other two and a half tribes had built an altar at the Jordan River. They didn't know why the two and a half tribes had built an altar. And in the absence of knowing, they filled in the gap with a created truth. These two and a half tribes had lost their way and were abandoning their faith in God. This was how they filled in their I don't know. Well, Phineas was obviously a man that was very comfortable living in the I don't know. For when he and the army arrived east of the Jordan, he didn't simply give the order to attack. Instead, he made the choice to have a conversation with his fellow Israelites. He made the choice to live in the I don't know and seek the information he needed to know. 
What this pursuit, what this living in the I don't know revealed, was that the two and a half tribes had built the altar not as an affront to God, or a separate place to offer sacrifices, or as a temple to a foreign god. They built it as a reminder to the future generations that the people east of the Jordan were part of the family of Israel. They did it to remember God and to remind everyone else of their relationship with God. No war was needed, for Phineas was willing to live in the I don't know. And living in the I don't know allowed the truth to be revealed. Well, how about you? Are you willing to live in the I don't know? Or are you a person that finds it impossible to live in the I don't know? Someone who has to fill in any and all gaps of understanding at any cost. You don't know? Well, that's a great place to start. Let's go, Island Hopper. Here's a human fact. In the absence of understanding, the desire to fill in the gap with anything, any information, any explanation is powerful. Or it would be better said in the absence of understanding, you will glob onto someone else's explanation or you will create your very own explanation in order to fill in the gap. For us human beings, living in the I don't know is to be avoided at all costs. Yet there isn't a single human being out there who knows everything. In fact, this is truly the only thing that we all know. Yet admitting that we don't know is something that we avoid like a plague. We are much more comfortable clinging to an answer that we don't even know is true than we are at living in the I don't know. We would much rather explain everything so that we can reason why someone did something or why something happened. For we find comfort in having some kind of explanation. We find comfort in placing everything in a neat and tidy little box in our reality, as opposed to living in the I don't know. For what is neat and tidy about living in the I don't know. Living in the I don't know is messy. It just seems wrong or even, dare I say, dangerous. Why is this? Why do we find it so hard to live in the I don't know? Well, there are many reasons for this phenomenon. But today I want to focus in on one. You've been taught that acknowledging that you don't know is a sign of weakness. And nobody wants to be seen as weak. For our fear is this. Our weakness will be used against us in some way, shape, or form. Or worse yet, you find it hard to live in the I don't know because your so-called weakness, your claiming I don't know, has been used against you in the past. Let me give you an example. When I was in high school, I played basketball. I wasn't that good, but I liked to play the game 
and it was a way to participate in a varsity sport. And since I was heavily involved in the music department, I wanted to expand my social status, my popularity portfolio. In my sophomore year, during tryouts for the varsity team, the coach had us doing line drills. We would start on the baseline of the basketball court, directly underneath one of the baskets. When the coach blew his whistle, we would run to the free throw line, reach down and touch the line, and then run back to the end line. We would then spin around and run to the half-court line. After we touched the half-court line, we would run back to the end line. And then, you guessed it, we would spin around and run to the other free throw line on the opposite end of the court, and then back to our starting point, the original end line. Finally, we would run the entire length of the court and back again, all while being timed. Well, on this day, the coach told us the time in which he wanted us to complete this drill, a time that I thought might be an impossibility for me. The coach then asked the whole lot of us, who here doesn't know if they can complete this drill in this amount of time? Well, that was me. I didn't know if I could do it, so my hand shot up. Knowing that I wasn't the slowest guy on the squad, I was expecting that my hand wouldn't be the only one raised. Well, it was. None of the others, who I knew were slower than me, raised their hands. Nobody else was willing to live in the I don't know for the fear of the consequences a fact that I was too young and obviously way too naive to understand myself. So the coach looked at me and said, Okay, Miller, it's all you. Well, he really called me choir fag, but that's another story for another episode. Mr. Miller doesn't think he can do it, he continued. So everyone take a seat and cheer Mr. Miller on. If he makes it, drills are over for today. If he doesn't, we'll keep running. Talk about wishing that I never claimed my I don't know. I learned a very valuable lesson that day, one that all the other guys had obviously already learned. Never acknowledge your I don't know. For if I would have just kept my mouth shut, refused to live in my I don't know, none of this would ever have happened. Well, I did acknowledge my I don't know. And I did end up running that line drill all by myself. And I did complete it in enough time. And everyone did cheer me on, and we didn't have to run any more drills that day. All's well that ends well. This incident was foundational in forming my perspective concerning the importance of living in the I don't know. Because I was successful, I bonded with my teammates. Because I was successful, I inspired myself to continue to be honest about living in the I don't know. Yet, even with all of the positives that came out of this incident, this also taught me to be very cautious about confessing that I don't know. For that confession can and will be used against you on the basketball court and quite possibly in life. And the results of that confession being used against you might not be as positive as what I experienced. Because of this and situations similar to this, when you have a hole in your understanding of something or someone, when you don't know, you're compelled at best to fill it and at worst to simply lie about it. 
You're compelled to seek out or to manufacture any explanation for why someone did something or why something happened. Or you're compelled to simply keep your mouth shut. You can't simply acknowledge that a hole in your understanding exists. You can't live in the I don't know. This compelling opens you up to any answer, any explanation, any reasoning that comes down the pike. For you've learned from the world around you, from the people in your life, and from your very own need to understand everything, that any explanation is better than living in the I don't know. Any explanation is better than getting real with yourself and with others and acknowledging your I don't know. This is why gossip is such a powerful and all too many times destructive force in your life. For gossip is nothing more than a way that you attempt to fill in your I don't know. For deep down, gossip is your attempt to understand why someone did something or why something has happened. Now, this fear of living in the I don't know is also one of the reasons for the cultural conflict between science and religion. Both of which, by the way, require us to live in the I don't know. For religion, living in the I don't know requires someone to build their faith and find their hope, not in their knowledge, but in their relationship with God. For science, living in the I don't know requires someone to build a hypothesis and find their hope in the knowledge acquired through the scientific process. Both of which feed the same basic human drive to avoid living in the I don't know. Both of which deal with the same basic need of all humans, the need to explain the world around us. Somewhere, some way, someone taught you that it's not good or safe to live in the I don't know. Thus, you must present yourself to others as not living in the I don't know, even if you truly don't know. For letting someone else know that you don't know will put you at a disadvantage. You'll be seen as inferior, less than desirable, and even possibly vulnerable. Qualities for which you have been taught to avoid even the appearance of at all costs. This phenomenon, this reality, is vital for you to tackle on this island. For this island is inviting you to believe in God and to believe that you matter to God, both of which are matters of faith. And faith is belief in things not seen. Faith is belief in the face of I don't know. Thus, in order for you to embrace the faith that there is a God and that you matter to God, you're required to get good at living in the I don't know, the very thing that you've been taught to avoid at all costs for your entire life. For it's only in the I don't know that you'll ever be able to get real with yourself and subsequently with God. God will never be real to you until you get real with God. For if you're constantly constructing reasons and explanations for anything and everything, if you're doing everything you can to avoid living in the I don't know, then why would you need to have a relationship with God? And, let's be honest, why would you need the scientific method for both faith and science require you to get good at living in the I don't know, so that the truth can be revealed to you. Well, so having said all of that, 
once you acknowledge your belief in God and you confess that you believe that you matter to God, it will be time to get good at living in the I don't know. For not only is it true that you don't need to know everything because of your faith in God, it's also true that you can now admit that you don't know everything. You can be real. Thus, you can begin to live a life of faith. Faith in the fact that there's something so much greater out there, somewhere. Faith in the fact that you're a part of something so much bigger than yourself. Faith in the fact that you have a finite understanding of an infinite reality. This new perspective will give you the room and the bandwidth to search for truth in any and all situations. Like Phineas, you won't just jump into war because of what you think is the truth. You will embrace your I don't know and you will seek the truth. This island invites you to allow I don't know to be transformed in your life. Transform from a perceived weakness that can't be admitted by you or anyone else into an open door of possibility. The possibility of strengthening your knowledge and your relationships with others and the world around you, as well as your relationship with God. For in all the areas of your life in which you must live in the I don't know, in all your relationships, in all your questions, fears, doubts, and struggles, you can go to God who cares about you. You can ask, seek, knock, and even use the scientific method to find all the answers. Even, and this is where it gets tricky, if the answer at any given point in time is, I don't know. that's a wrap on season three. And that's a wrap for this island. I believe there's a God, and I believe that I matter to God. But just because this is a wrap on this season of the podcast doesn't mean that you're forced to leave this island. This is the beauty of island hopping, for this is your journey to be. So if you need to stay on this island for a little while longer, go for it. Your yacht will be waiting for you whenever you're ready to take you to your next island. I make the choice to commit my life to the care and control of Jesus. And I will meet you there whenever you're ready. Hi there, it's Maggie. Island Hopping is a production of Journey to Be Ministries and is sponsored by Beneva Christian Church. You can find Beneva Christian on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, as well as their website, BenevaChristian.com. If you'd like to contact David, just drop him an email at islandhoppingpodcast at gmail.com. That's islandhoppingpodcast at gmail.com. 